Thanks for tuning in to this episode of More Talk, Less Rock. Before every episode this season, we are providing specific calls to action to encourage our listeners to fight against systemic racism and police brutality. This week, in honor of Dominique Fells, a black trans woman in Philadelphia who was found murdered on June 8th, we recommend that you donate money to Morris Home in Philadelphia. Morris Home is the first residential recovery program in the country to offer comprehensive services specifically for trans and gender nonconforming individuals. Profiling by police disproportionately affects black trans women who are often targets of sexual violence and who live in poverty or have experienced homelessness at a much higher rate than the general population. If you live outside of Philadelphia, we suggest donating to organizations that are supporting black trans people in your local community. If you are also interested in contributing on the national level, we suggest donating to the Okra Project. It's an organization that addresses the global crisis faced by black trans people by bringing them home-cooked, healthy, and culturally specific meals, wherever they can reach them. The Okra Project is also raising money for their COVID-19 aid fund, which provides money directly to black trans folks who have been negatively impacted by the pandemic. I'm going to go look at the um, episode checklist. Yeah. I've been watching Cash Cab. Can you tell? <laughs> Red Light Challenge! You guys are, you guys are in the Cash Cab! <laughs> Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Lauren. We play music together in the band Coping Skills, but we spend a lot of time joking around rather than actually playing our songs. Yeah, I mean, right now we are not playing any songs. Uh, we are strictly joking around. So that's where we're at. I don't know where anyone else is, um, but that's where we're at. So. Yeah, hopefully you're on the joke page, the joke train with us all aboard. Uh, this is More, More Talk, Talk, Less Rock. Rock. I just want to stay home and play my songs with my friends. That's me. Yeah. 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 Nicole Maroulis is known best for either one or both of the following. Their indie emo pop band Hit Like a Girl and the nonprofit organization No More Dysphoria. They've successfully integrated the two in many ways. Last year, Hit Like a Girl released a song called No More Dysphoria about their own experience as a non-binary person. Nicole's description of the track seems to serve as a microcosm of their overall role in both causes. They said, my goal here isn't to be anyone's trans or non-binary hero, but I do feel like I have a responsibility as an artist with the platform I've been given to talk about the hard stuff that might resonate with a specific audience. Coping Skills played a show with Hit Like a Girl two years ago, and Nicole's message resonated with us immediately. Since then, we've been lucky enough to throw a benefit show for No More Dysphoria, tour together a couple of times, and interview them for this podcast. But first, we'd like to add a quick content warning that later in the interview, around the 52-minute mark, we discuss suicidal ideation in the context of access to health care for trans folks. We trust you, our listeners, to make an informed decision as to how much of the episode you want to listen to with this knowledge. Thanks so much for joining us for uh, this episode of More Talkless Rock. Yeah, um, and thank you again for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Nicole, would you tell us about your first experiences playing music? 
Yeah, so my first experience playing music um, kind of started when I was younger in middle school. Um, I had a little group of friends, and all of my said friends all knew how to play an instrument already. Um, one girl knew how to play guitar. Um, one girl knew how to play the snare drum. And another girl liked to sing. So they were like casually like, let's start a band, like loosely. Um, and the only instrument that was missing was bass. So I begged my mom to get me a bass and it was like a like a Yamaha like $50 red bass and um we all met up once learned how to play damn it by Blink-182 poorly and never practiced again. What more do you need in a band? <laughs> um, oh yeah, for sure, right. But I don't know. They all I don't even know if any of them play music anymore, but um I just enjoyed it so much that I continued on um and sort of picked up every other instrument along the way. So what other instruments have you picked up since and before then? So technically that was bass was like the first instrument I like dove into, but before that um I had a neighbor friend that I would always hang out with and her little brother was getting at home drum lessons and whenever I was hanging out with my friend, I would like kind of be like, "Oh, I'm going to go like in the basement and see what's going on." And I would sort of just eavesdrop on her brother's um, private drum lessons. And the guy was super cool. He would, like, let me, um, you know, participate and play on him and stuff. So that was, like, the first instrument I, like, have been introduced to. And then, like I said, bass was technically after that. And that's the first one I, like, continued. Um, I My dad got me bass lessons from this guy that lived... Down the street from Gerard Way's parents. No that's fucking cool. way. Yeah. That's a very uh, a very New Jersey thing to say. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> I always I always thought about um, like jokingly starting like uh, one of those like hop on hop off bus tours like of emo houses or something emo like landmarks. landmarks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like landmark emo houses or something. But New Jersey's would take too long because you'd have to like keep going up and down the Parkway. <laughs> And stuff, you know. But I thought that would be fun. Like, oh, yes, where Gerard Way grew up. I don't know. But, yeah, and then after bass, um, learned piano and guitar was last, but seemingly the instrument that stuck the most. And do you still spend time practicing the other instruments? Yeah, yeah. I practice. Well, I I record a lot of at-home demos, so that'll give me the opportunity to pick up other instruments um, almost if not daily, every other day. And um, I got a drum kit in my apartment. And uh, whenever no one's home, I practice drums. Which seems like it would be less and less nowadays. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Since quarantine started, everyone's home all the time. And my downstairs neighbors work from home. So it's been a lot harder to do for sure. When did you get more involved into DIY and going to shows and playing shows? I definitely started going to shows. Yeah, in middle school, I remember um, seeing or hearing about shows like on like MySpace and stuff. Like the first show I ever went to was um, at a ve- old venue in Montclair called Bloomfield Ave Cafe, um, and I just loved the experience so much and just kept going to shows and participating in local shows in the community and stuff. But um, I used to write songs by myself and do like a singer songwriter project for a little bit for a while. Um, since which I have deleted all evidence from the internet (laughs) because those songs are terrible. 
and I just didn't really have that much fun playing by myself. Um, I mean, I still get, I'm sure you guys feel it when you get on stage, you get a little nervous, except I felt that all the time and didn't really have, you know, a friend to look over to the side to and, you know, kind of calm those nerves. Sure. So it wasn't fun. Um, so I put that on the back burner and then um, I started hanging out with the band called Forever Losing Sleep. And, uh, you know, I would go on tours with them and go to shows with them and learned a lot just from being around them, like how a band functions and stuff and met a lot of people that I still am friendly with today that have helped hit like a girl uh, along the way and made a lot of connections and stuff through them. Totally. To your point about like how kind of unsettling it is to play alone, we've been fortunate that like this whole the band started as two people, right? So um, right. whenever, even if it's like a bad show, if it's a lazy crowd, if it's whatever, like we always have somebody else to lean on. And we've kind of joked like, if anybody knows anything about our band, it's that we talk too much. So uh, there's like a, it's not even that we're talking to the audience. Like we're always looking at each other and talking to each other. And it's like the audience is privy to that conversation more so than that we're participating with them. I was like, I don't know what would happen if we didn't have that. Like it would be a completely different thing. Yeah. I think watching y'all would be a completely different experience. I mean, right away, y'all became one of my favorite bands <laughs> right away because of that. I was like, y'all, these people are fun. <laughs> well, I played like two shows, I think, without like completely by myself. And it's just, mm-hmm. it just didn't feel good yeah. for me. Like, it's cool. Like in, you know, obviously like, like you're grateful and it's like, it, it's, it's fun for different reasons. But like in the grand scheme of playing music, like the whole point is to have fun and You know, for me personally, I think it's more enjoyable and more fun with friends. For sure. Totally agree. Absolutely. Let me backtrack a second. Um, How did you even hear about those first shows that you went to? Like, especially being in middle school, I think for a lot of people, Mm. that seems like a a quote unquote young age to start going to shows. Right. So like, what was your access point to even knowing that the community was out there? So back in the day, um, a lot of it was either through MySpace or um, before Facebook, like, because nowadays every all the booking and all that kind of stuff is done through Facebook mm. groups. Like, almost every city has its own DIY Facebook booking group. Um, but back then it was a lot of um, word of mouth, flyering at local shows, and um, an app called Bands in Town is uh, one I used, utilized a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember... Reverb Nation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think think my friends utilized that, but I think my go-to for finding shows was Bands in Town, for sure. And then, like, did Pure Volume have that kind of access point, or was that just music? Do you remember Pure Volume? I remember, but I don't remember, like, using it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I only remember streaming. Yeah, I feel like I have, like, no reference whatsoever because I definitely was not involved in any of this in like middle school (laughs) so even like the concept of of only being able to hear about shows through like flyering or these other websites like like it feels like Facebook is so integral to a lot of DIY scenes right now for better or worse Mm -hmm. and it's kind of it, it seems kind of difficult nowadays to to think of how you'd go about doing that without it when I was 19, I did the whole quit your job, hitchhiking, hobo life, train hopping thing <laughs> for a little bit. And uh, I remember I was in Chicago and 
um, these two kids were literally like just on the sidewalk handing out flyers for a show that they were playing that night at a venue called Reggie's Rock Club. Mm -hmm. And uh, me and my friend that I was with um, walked by. They gave us a flyer, told us a little bit about it. And we were like, well, we got nothing else to do at all because we're homeless. So we'll come to the show. (laughs) Um, And it was really, really cool. So that's, you know, flyering is super effective. Um, I wish it was still a thing today. I mean, I feel like there's just no, I mean, unfortunately, I feel like if you give someone a piece of paper, they're probably just going to throw it out. Yeah, more often than not, I think that's the case. There is still some, like, remnants of flyering, I think. Like, you go to your local Mm -hmm. semi-punk coffee shop and someone maybe put up a flyer to a show. But there's also, (laughs) like, the hard part about a lot of DIY spaces now is that you can't post an address. And so if you don't already know where something is and you see a flyer, you then don't necessarily know who to ask to to get mm-hmm. access to that information. Well, you ask a punk, duh. <laughs> <laughs> you just go you just wait until the first person with tattoos comes out of the back room of the coffee shop and you go, Excuse "Where is me? this? <laughs> Do you know where the gigs are?" <laughs> <laughs> so what were your first like I know you'd, you'd kind of gone a little bit about um, touring but what was your first actual like touring experience like so I do believe the year was about 2014 or so um, I, the first tour I ever went on was with uh, the band I mentioned before Forever Losing Sleep and um, an old Jersey band called Archie Alone which unfortunately is no longer a band which sucks because they were one of my favorite bands ever but um, it was like a two-week tour down to Florida and back, and um, that was I, I just sort of piggybacked uh, along on the tour, selling merch and um, you know, quote unquote, tour managing. But there wasn't very much to manage back then, um, and because it was so much harder to promote shows, there was definitely like three shows where we just played to each other. Um, like I remember a very specific show in South Carolina. We just played at some bar. Nobody came, and we just like jammed for us because you know the bartender was just like do do whatever you want yeah you might as well you're here yeah yeah (laughs) we drove all this way we lugged all our shit inside i talk about being a tour manager sometimes on the show but don't usually explore what that means would you kind of elaborate on some of the the tour managing responsibilities you somewhat unwittingly took on just by going on tour (laughs) with your friends I was going to say a 22-year-old dumbass me tour managing was legit just like making sure no one like got too drunk and did something stupid and um walking around and asking people for money for gas because the you know door donations and selling merch and stuff was just so much harder back then yeah. and you know yeah. if nobody showed up like that show I just mentioned where nobody came I remember asking the regular patrons of, that were there for the bar like, to drink at the bar, I was just like, please give us money, please. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always good to have somebody um, so. to take on that responsibility because sometimes people in the band are, like, too shy or, like, yeah. nervous. Yeah, I have no shame. Even to this day, if somebody, you know, it, I, I just, I have no problem going up to strangers yeah. and asking them for money. That's pretty much what DIY is, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, shame isn't going to put gas in the Literally, tank, yeah. is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is kind of interesting how, like, Pretty much anyone who gets into tour managing does it because they either play in a band who doesn't have a tour manager, so someone <laughs> in the band just kind of has to become one, or you're a friend that tags along, and, and since you're not playing every night, you kind of just 
take on all these other extra responsibilities because you're the person who's there. Right. 22-year-old me and now old me would uh, tour manage in two very completely different <laughs> ways, for sure. Yeah, 22-year-old 20, me definitely tour managed in a different way than 27-year-old me does. It's all part of the learning process. <laughs> Your Twitter handle back then was Kid Manager instead of Mr. Manager. <laughs> if only. I should make it Kid Manager now. That's dope. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> you could be Kid Manager. TM, 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 TM. New band name, I call it. Whoa! New ah! <laughs> yeah! 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 Make a band camp quick. Claim it. Well, on this show, we have a, a somewhat, not a secret, but a, a less obvious bit where if we come across something and, you know, call it as a new band name, we have to make a song as if it was by that band to go along with the episode. So now I have to make a song by my new band kid manager. Look for that at the end of the episode. TM, 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 TM. Oh, yeah. Very fucking excited. <laughs> yeah, we, is, we each... Wait, is that the, is that the Bandcamp URL? TM, 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 <laughs> dot Bandcamp. No, that's just, that's just trademark. We got a trademark. Wait, wait, is, is, is TM, TM, TM? <laughs> I don't know that I would play in a band called TM, 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 TM. Or maybe I would. I would. <laughs> Torment is your trademark. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. I wanted to get in a little bit about No More Dysphoria. Uh, so would you talk a little bit about what No More Dysphoria is and kind of how it started? No More Dysphoria is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that I run. Um, our primary goal is to help transgender and gender nonconforming people pay for different parts of their transitions, um, which could include uh, various different things, such as, uh, but not limited to, Hormone replacement therapy, gender reassignment surgeries, uh, gender therapy, any sort of gender affirmation, um, clothing or accessories. Um, and lately, we've been offering rent assistance during uh, the coronavirus because a lot a lot of people have lost their jobs and things. So we've been offering rent assistance. And um, just recently, I've been thinking about donating some No More For You money to different um like queer, trans, people of color run organizations and stuff like that. Um, would you mention some of the organizations you had in mind so that people who listen to the show could check it out? Yeah. I had, it's a small list because I just started yesterday. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, some people recommended um, some personal like GoFundMes and stuff, but I've noticed a lot of them have like reached over two times their goal, which that is amazing. Um, and I know there's no such thing as too much help, but um, we are a super small organization, so I want to make sure um, I can donate to some funds that haven't been donated to as much yet. But there's one called the Okra po- Project that someone just recommended to me, and then there was another one called Black Trans Femmes in the Arts. Um, so on Twitter, that's BTFA Collective. Um, and then... From there, I found a lot of other organizations just from, like, the suggested after following them. So I'm sure that's a really good place to start. And then um, I do believe the uh, the Black Visions Collective as well is another, um, like, LGBT-focused organization that people can donate to. Cool. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah, no problem. And so how did you start No More Dysphoria? So it was first talked about in about 2015. Um 
with some friends who have since um, asked to remain anonymous just because they don't want to be out or anything. But um, they had mentioned the idea to me because we were all hanging out and we were talking about it. And I was just like, oh, my God, I love this. Like, this is such a great idea. I was like, do you mind if I help you, like, you know, get this going? They're like, yeah, absolutely. Um, So me being me, just immediately just was like, boom, 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 idea, idea, idea. Let's do this. Design that, blah, blah, blah. So, like... um, once things started quickly coming off the ground, uh, my friend was worried about being outed. So they were just like, hey, I'm going to take a step back from this uh, just for like my own security. But um, I give you my full blessing, like take this and run with it. And I was like, all right. So me and uh, my friend Alex from a band called Sunrot, um, it was just the two of us for a while. Um, so Sunrot would take a lot of No More Dysphoria stuff with them at their shows and on their tours and stuff. And then um, at the time, Hit Like a Girl wasn't a thing yet, so Forever Losing Sleep used to take No More Dysphoria stuff with them on tour. And I would table at different shows and events and stuff locally in New Jersey. Um, and then, uh, so that was around 2015 and 16. And then 2017, Hit Like a Girl started becoming a thing. And that's when I was able to kind of integrate the two and spread the message of No More Dysphoria through my music. So um, No More Dysphoria has been uh, kind of wrapped up in your involvement in the music community since even before you were playing actively in the Mm -hmm. band that you are now. Um, That's really cool. Uh, How did you decide that you wanted to, to, I guess, um, spread awareness and gain visibility for it that way? Being in DIY for as long as I have, it was pretty much the only thing I knew how to do. Sure. Um, And still to this day is pretty much the center of all of my, like, creativity or, like, you know, I guess you can quote unquote say business management. (laughs) Um, But whatever, you know, like, just, like, DIY ethos is just, like, such a big... It is business management. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Just, like, the way that you like have been inspired to like connect with people or how you connect with people like from the things that you learn from being in DIY is how I kind of integrate that into no more dysphoria. So like, um, you know, if you want to market anything, you got to like look at your brand and then you got to look at your audience and you got to like look at different ways you can connect with people through those channels. So I think because I also want to be in a band, I am a musician and it's something I enjoy doing but I also give a fuck about the world and want to make a change somehow. It's like, all right, well, let's just merge the two um, and make it happen. Definitely. And this is where I put it. Sponsored ad. If I had one. Sorry, lost the happy, but the happy's back. Taking a step back a little bit. Um, what did the the early days of Hit Like a Girl, you said you started Hit Like a Girl around 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did that band or that project look like um, when it first started? Um, so similarly to how it looks now, um, I have never been able to find a permanent lineup of members. Um, I think you guys can definitely attest to that. Every time you see Hit Like a Girl play, it's with different people that you probably never met before, or, uh, just a collective of people that I, uh, can ring up from other bands. But, uh, yeah, so the first show... Um, I'm, I have a flyer for it right there. It's, uh, it was September 23rd, 2017 at Stevens College in Hoboken. And at that show, it was literally me and 
Forever Losing Sleep was my backing band. Nice. So the singer played guitar and synth. The guitar player played bass and their drummer played drums for me. Um, But that lineup never stuck, Um, except for um, my friend Fred that was in that band. He was in Hit Like a Girl for almost all of it up until recently. And uh, I mean, he's not not a part of it. He's just so busy and never around anymore. So I just, you know, get other people to play guitar. But um, yeah, I, I don't have a permanent lineup of members, really. My roommate plays bass most of the time. His name's Joe. And um, I have since been able to um, get either my friend Marco will play drums or my friend Liv that plays in a band called Adult Mom will play drums. Um, My friend Sawyer from Richmond has played guitar and has also played synth before. My friend Anna from Richmond played keys before. Um, I don't know. I think I just need to get you guys and I'll have my entire (laughs) circle of friends to have played for me. (laughs) Well, that's a situation we can definitely relate to as a band that's had upwards of 12 different drummers I think over the time (laughs) and two different drummers at the same show (laughs) (laughs) two different drummers playing for us during the set we switched them out um (laughs) so we have a long running bit of firing our boss that kind of happened on our last tour um right before the world collapsed um we were on tour with a band called short fictions and my friend connor uh, from Bowling Green, Ohio, was the scheduled drummer for most of the tour. Um, but then my friend Jeremy Birkin was also just like on the tour, mm-hmm. hanging out, and he was gonna do the second half of the tour. Um, so I had two drummers for the first time in my life on one nice. tour. But since the tour got cut short, um, the last show we played before we had to drive home what I had um, Jeremy just play two he like jumped in like halfway through the set and finished the set just because like you know he took the time to learn the songs and didn't get to play them yet yeah so for sure that was I had two drummers that show yeah that it's cool. a wild wow that's a unique experience that not many people can say they share so I'm glad that we all share that experience <laughs> dude yeah seriously finding the drummer is the freaking hardest part well, it's because they're in 12 bands right exactly <laughs> There's not enough drummers to go around. If you're listening to this show, There's start really playing not. the drums now. Play, yeah. We need The you. world needs more of them. Dude, speaking of people needing drums, if anyone needs a drummer, hit me up. I want to play drums in a band so bad. Well, when shows come back, you can play <laughs> drums in our band for a show. Dude, that would be so sick. Hell yeah. Um, I would love that. That'd be awesome. Yo, we keep... You, well, you you came up with the idea originally, Rachel, but um, you had said a while ago back uh, that coping skills... Every person that's ever filled in for coping skills should play a softball game versus anyone <laughs> that's ever played and hit like a yes. girl before. And it's got to happen. happen. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> some of our old drummers are really spread out now. I think two live in Florida. Um, so it's gonna yeah. Be- I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit up my friends from Ohio to come play a softball <laughs> game. Just get as many people in Philly, New Jersey as we it can. It would be a beautiful bit. Play though. A game. It would be. It would yes. be. <laughs> What do you kind of attribute not having a solid lineup at this point to? Uh, yeah, it's it's just really hard because uh, before tours and shows and stuff, my anxiety is just focusing on making sure that the people filling in for me just learn the song and like just get through the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had a permanent lineup, I would be able to focus on learning new songs. I would be able to focus on like small details in a set like... Um, you know, during tuning, someone is playing just like some transitional thing or, you know, even like samples or something. I don't know, just anything. But a lot of those things are really 
hard when you're constantly teaching new people the songs. And it's just even hard for me to move forward because, you know, I have to go take a step backwards to teach someone the songs instead of maybe, okay, well, we already know this one. Let's learn some new stuff or whatever. Sure. Covers. You can't you can't do any fun stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And for whatever reason, everyone in New Jersey, like, only wants to be in a hardcore band. So finding someone that wants to play in an emo band is, like, really yeah, hard. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. I mean, new, yeah. The New Jersey scene is, I don't even think about playing New Jersey when I've booked tours for us because I'm not even sure where we would go. I, I, I always tell people to skip it. Like when people ask me for a show, I'm always like, I could book you a show. Yeah. It's just not going to yeah. be good. Well, it feels like New York <laughs> is so close. It's like, well, why right. stop in between? Or Philly. Totally. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think I can sense that proximity of, of people would be hard in your area of New Jersey for sure. Um, yeah. It like super depends. Like I've obviously been to a lot of crazy packed wild shows, you know, in New Jersey, cops being called or you know whatever but have you have you even been to a show where someone lit their beard on fire because they thought it was oh funny like it's just, I've, <laughs> I've been to a lot of crazy shows here it's just uh you know uh, few and far between nowadays for good old packed crowds here i think it was just i think honestly coronavirus coronavirus is like a blessing in disguise because i feel like for a while shows were just um almost oversaturated like i think people were just like oh yeah another show yeah yeah, sure interested oh yeah another invite all right going you know whatever but i think now because people are bored they will actually come yeah that's absolutely a, a problem i think we have in philly also that people got a little bit jaded and uh mm-hmm. i i think yeah maybe after shows are allowed to happen again people it's like i don't know you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of thing people are sure. are are realizing how important that is um and mm-hmm. will maybe put more like time and effort into keeping it going and supporting local bands and and coming out or supporting touring bands too and and coming out to shows more, um, which I think will be very cool. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully hope that so. happens. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it lasts. I feel like it it will happen, but I'm just not sure how long it it will maintain. I mean, even even yeah. in the past month or so. So like when when quarantine started there were so many different live streams and like this that and the other and different ways to keep participating every day because people were like oh god what am I going to do and just thinking about the amount of live streams that I haven't seen in the past month or month and a half even like the past um so we're recording this in in early June and um we're about two weeks into a lot of protesting about police brutality and institutionalized racism so like that is all that's on, I would assume, the three of our social feeds right now. And that takes precedence, mm-hmm. and that's very important. But thinking about the month before that, uh, the amount of live stream gigs that happened then versus the month prior to even that, I think is decreased a lot. And I think that's just another symbol of people feeling like oversaturated by the market and being jaded about going to live stream shows. Um I was experiencing that myself of just being like, I just like, what show am I going to go to tonight on my phone in my bedroom? <laughs> and uh, I wonder how quickly after real live in-person shows come back that people will start feeling the way that they did before we couldn't go anymore. There was one yeah. night I was, uh, there was like too many good shows, good too many virtual <laughs> gigs happening at the same yeah. time. Um, on Twitch, I think. So I'm pretty sure I, w- I had three tabs open and I was clicking between 
Kississippi, um, the Summit Shack had like the Sonder Bombs and Safe Face play, and then uh, Rap Boys were doing like their weekly live stream. So I was like clicking between all three because I was like, damn, I want to. Guess that is kind of a blessing that that's a thing you can do on the internet that you can't really do in real life. (laughs) It's like it would be hard to go to three different shows in one night, but it's very easy to click between three different tabs and be able to to totally unless you're at like a fest or something. Yeah. Well, getting back to Hit Like a Girl, um, how has the the band itself shifted over the years, and like how has your relationship to it shifted? Um, damn, that's a kind of a loaded question because um, I am getting older. I am knock knock knocking on thirty's door, <laughs> and is anybody home? Oh, oh buddy, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to say it's, like, in my opinion that you can necessarily, quote-unquote, age out of DIY, but, like, do I want to be, like, 37 and hanging out in, like, a 20-year-old's basement watching bands play? Probably not. So, you know, I have to kind of start thinking about, um, oh, I don't know, like, a job or something. <laughs> and so my relationship with the band is, like, you know, I, I'm, I think it's safe to assume that anyone that plays music wants to make it in some capacity like i can't even tell you the thousands of dollars i've spent on making this band a thing Mm -hmm. so i would like for it to pay off somehow um you know even if i got like a 500 hundred dollar guarantee every night that's not even a lot if you really think about like a lot of other bands like i've toured with bands whose guarantees were five grand so for me to maybe one day hope for 500 is really not asking for a lot Um, so the more time that goes by and the more, uh, in the red I can see the band being in, the more I'm just like, hmm, thinking about my, uh, updating my resume, uh, and applying to real jobs. But, (laughs) um, you know, being in a band is not supposed to be all about money. It's just really hard to, uh, remember that it's for fun when you're getting older, you know? Um, so my relationship to it has shifted a little bit from for fun to for money. And I think it would be more fun if I had a permanent lineup because, you know, my idea of being in a band when I was really young was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have all these crazy stories with my best friends. And it's going to be me and my friends traveling and playing music and blah, blah, blah. But it's just, it's like always me and people I've never met before. So it's like not that much fun for me as it, as I, want it to be yeah being in a band is really romanticized that way i think um and and maybe for well definitely for some people it is like that right but um Mm -hmm. that isn't the story for everybody and you know we we get from a media like culture consumerist perspective we get to hear the stories of the the three best friends who made it you know but there is like thousands of other stories of people who are in bands together who never like get to play 200 cap stages or um get to play stadiums but they like their stories are still important and 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 should be more talked about as a possible consequence of starting a band (laughs) 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 it's like not everybody gets to be blink 182 Dude, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was, as you were saying that, that's what I was thinking of. Like, I remember when I was, like, 
young and like had posters of bands in my room and it was always like posters of the band members right. so like you know i had a blink 182 poster i had a used poster i had a have heart poster and it was like pictures of the people in the band and you know i used to always imagine like me making a band poster but it's just gonna be me who the fuck wants a picture of me on their wall <laughs> not me. i don't so <laughs> well i mean if it makes you feel any better even blink 182 doesn't want to be blink 182 anymore <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good can that's last. That's why they change the lyrics and shit at their own shows, because they just, like, can't do it. They don't want to do yeah. it anymore. <laughs> well, how has No More Dysphoria evolved, like, since you started Hit Like a Girl and bringing, it, bringing awareness of your organization around in tandem with your own music versus um, adjacent to somebody else's? Um, it's definitely better with my own music than with other bands, because... You know, I think it's safe to say that I run the shit. So, I think that's safe to you know, say. I Hell yeah. When, I, mean, I would say that. Yeah, yeah right. for sure. Well, you know, if I sent, like, another band with, like, a box of No More Dysphoria shirts to sell for me, it's like, you know, that's cool. That would, that would be a cool thing to do eventually. But, you know, having No More Dysphoria merch set up with Hit Like a Girl merch at shows, I think it goes a long way because people want to talk to me about it. And, you know, I try to make it a point to say during every set, you know, if you... If this is something that you want to talk about or if you maybe need financial assistance or maybe no one even knows that you're trans yet, like if you need someone to talk to, like, please come talk to me after the show. So that happens a lot. And I think, you know, it just provides a safe space for a lot of like trans people or queer people or anything like that. Like, I remember I played a show and this band had trans members in it and they got asked to play the show and they said they normally don't agree to play shows because they never feel safe, but they heard that we were playing the show and they felt safe playing with us, so they played. And they were great. Um, so I think it is a great thing that I've been able to integrate the two together because it's provided um, maybe information and resources that someone weren't wasn't sure how to find otherwise. You know, like... You know, if we play, we're on tour and we play and there's someone in the crowd that has these thoughts but didn't know that's, like, what we do and we they start hearing about it during our set or whatever, they might be like, oh, yeah, you know, who knows? I don't know. I don't know if that's ever actually happened, but um, having the two integrated, I think, has been super positive and it's been easier to get the word out because, um, you know, I do tour a lot, whether it's in my band or if I'm filling in for other bands, like, it's just easier to get the word out there that way yeah and it's just like different when you know it's your band and you're kind of in the front with a microphone in front of your face and you Mm -hmm. have the ability to you know reach all those people who are just kind of standing in front of you waiting to listen to you um right right versus I guess going along with another band or um kind of tagging along in that way I guess yeah that would make things easier for sure yeah and you're um like as opposed to sending it off with somebody else it might be safe to say that you are, I hate to use the word sole proprietor here, but as uh, kind of like the person mostly in charge of this organization, who better for mm-hmm. them to be able to talk to about it. Um, and as mm-hmm. somebody who can relate to some people's experiences, like they, they would feel safer coming to you and learning more about what you do at, at No More Dysphoria. For sure. There's one other, uh, my friend Alex has kind of taken a little bit of a step back helping me out with it. So now... A days my friend Stacy helps me out the most, um, but she also mostly does a lot of like 
social media stuff and like our like online stuff and she like runs our website and our Instagram and stuff and she's kind of just like my go-to hey is this okay like kind of person to bounce ideas off of and stuff um she ran one show for me and I wasn't there and I think it went off it went off fine um so um yeah for the most part I think it is just a little bit easier and more like less anxiety inducing for me to just be the one to have people come up to and ask questions about it and stuff. Yeah, I know that feeling as a very type A person who loves to be in charge. Um, <laughs> it can be hard to relinquish control. That would, that would be like, I don't know, like if Lauren got like a filling guitar player slash lead singer for coping skills, like, you, you know. <laughs> I, I don't even know what what that would be. That would, I, I don't even think that would work because the whole the whole thing is is that it's, it's is you guys. That it's the, yeah, is that it's the two of us. And I think it, it's easier because I know Rachel has played a handful of shows solo, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I would be able to do the same thing, nor <laughs> would I would I want to. Um, Y'all should challenge yourselves to like play a show where you like switch places, like instruments, instruments, and like vocal uh, parts. Um, oh my god! Lord, Lord, I think <laughs> I don't know how to play guitar at I, all. I I think oh really? I would be able to play Lauren's bass parts but not sing Lauren's parts and Lauren would be able mm. to sing my parts but not play my guitar parts. That's I didn't I didn't know you, true. I didn't know you didn't know how to play guitar. No, I barely know how to I know how to play coping skill songs on the bass and that's <laughs> pretty much it. Cuz like I I had kind of like bought a bass and started playing it when we started the band. Like I I Could have fooled me. I didn't really have, you know, basically just did that because the bass is getting a bass was less expensive than getting a drum kit. I, I don't really have any experience outside of that playing music where I would feel comfortable. I mean, maybe, like, I could learn them after a while, but... I was going to say, do you want to learn guitar someday? I I, th- I think so. It's something that I would like to be at least competent at, but I don't know. It would definitely be an interesting exercise, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we're so... Um, like deeply rooted in our roles that it would feel really strange. Like even like if you did that for like an April Fool's oh, Day. It show would be or awesome. Something. But I mean like even <laughs> so like last March of twenty nineteen, we did a tour to South by that Lauren only played the last three shows of. And I brought our friend Emmett on his drummer, but I only brought a drummer. Like I did not fill in another person to play Lauren's bass parts and like sing um, the other vocal lines, I just like, well, I will incorporate some bass parts into my guitar playing when possible, and I will learn to play some of Lauren's parts, or learn to sing some of Lauren's parts on these songs, but I will not replace them in that position because it is a sacred role that only they can do. <laughs> no, it, and I, I can I can confirm that for anybody listening, because I, I offered to you to play bass because we were also touring around the same time, and you were like, uh, thanks for the offer, but... Yeah. <laughs> and we played like four or five shows together on that tour. Um, I know, yeah. and, we'll, and that wound up by happening by accident. And then I like, I was like, "Yo, I know you already said no, but like, we are literally playing the same shows yeah. already. I'm going to be there. Are you sure you don't want me to play like, bass?" No. And you're like, "No." For for the record, I would have been very interested to see how that would play out, but I think. That like that would feel like a different band. That like that would feel like For a sure. band covering coping skills. Songs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, 
Which, like, could uh, be cool. Yeah. Like, I would love if another band wants to play coping skill songs. That'd be sick. But yeah, send I, the covers our way. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 So, we, we've played shows without, um, like, there. sometimes we've played shows before where I really wanted the lead guitar parts to be there. So I had my bass player, Joe, learn the guitar parts, and I used um, an AB box to, like, play through a bass amp and a guitar amp before. So, mm-hmm. like, we've done Dope. that. Um, which isn't very ideal, but you know, gotta do gotta, what gotta make do. it work. I know you you had kind of touched on this earlier, but one thing that stood out while listening to your interview on Query, you'd mentioned that No More Dysphoria and Hey Like a Girl have kind of become one thing in a lot of ways at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, how much of that was intentional, and and how much of it was just the nature of those shows being the spaces where you were able to reach the most people. So in the beginning-ish of um, Hit Like a Girl, it wasn't necessarily intentional for them to be as close to one thing as they are now. Um, but in the beginning of Hit Like a Girl, I only had like one or two Hit Like a Girl t-shirts, but um, all the money, any money made from Hit Like a Girl merch specifically, I always put back into No More Dysphoria which more or less is still true today. Um, so if, like, if we're on tour, like if someone buys Hit Like a Girl stuff, I will use that to pay my band or put into gas or whatever. But still, to the most part, for the most part, what has happened over time is Hit Like a Girl merch and money and profit kind of goes into funding No More Dysphoria on the back end of stuff. So like making merch and paying designers and stuff like that. Um and I had written a song about my own experience being a non-binary person and just called it No More Dysphoria because it felt um, the most fitting to do that. And that's was that was more of the pivotal point for me when I was just like, all right, these are the same thing. Did you always feel like the, the face of both of those things? Because um, I know you said that um, No More Dysphoria started or it was it was kind of another person's original idea and they kind of gave you the blessing to run with it mm-hmm. has that always felt like your thing in the beginning when I had more um like help in person definitely not because like we used to like go table at shows and uh local little fests and stuff and it was always me and someone else so in the beginning definitely not but um you know as the years have gone by I would say definitely like I think if anyone knows me knows by now that like if you're going to a hit like a girl show you're gonna hear about no more dysphoria and if you know vice versa like if you email me from the no more dysphoria email in my signature i have a link to the hit like a girl spotify just because i don't know why not yeah why not (laughs) and like uh and being like the quote-unquote leader um of both of those things i guess you kind of over the years have taken on different like roles and responsibilities within No More Dysphoria and Hit Like a Girl. How has that kind of evolved over the years? I don't know. I am, I guess, like, not to toot my own horn or anything, just, like, enjoy being a leader, and I'd like to think I'm relatively okay at it. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I uh, obviously have to remember sometimes that Hit Like a Girl is a band and No More Dysphoria is a nonprofit, and No More Dysphoria is not a band and Hit Like a Girl is not a nonprofit. So sometimes I have to like remember those separations. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a protest happening. Uh, Hell yeah. That- Hell yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to keep like, that in. Distracted. We're going to keep it in. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
Um, I know because I can hear him now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's just how I don't even remember what the question was anymore. <laughs> that's okay. The question was, how um, do we dismantle the police state? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, defund the police and put that money towards um, doctors and teachers. That's it. A platform we can all get yeah. behind. I think you are one of those people who has successfully integrated like activism or advocacy with playing music, even though there's always kind of been a little bit of a connection between the two. I think if you're going to have a platform and you don't do anything that's going to positively impact society in some way, somehow, even if it's very, very minute, um, I think that sucks. Like, you should do something positive for the world if you're going to have a platform at all. Like, if your sole purpose of maintaining any platform is to just make money only, I think that sucks. Yeah. We were, we were talking last night about how the punk community talks a big game. You know, punk is supposed to be about activism. It's supposed to be about looking out for each other and standing up for each other. And there's kind of like a, Mm -hmm. sometimes you just want to be like, put up or shut up. And you are (laughs) definitely a person who puts up um, and like shows up by incorporating No More Dysphoria into Hit Like a Girl. And I appreciate that. Um, Someone... um that we are mutually friends with, like, didn't outright call me performative, but they were leaning towards saying that I appear to be performative, and I've been super um, self-conscious about that ever since they had said that to me. Um, But I don't know. I think I'm just going to continue talking about things I care about, and um, if people want to consider that being performative then I don't know fuck off yeah I don't I don't really know what that means like I would make the argument that you are not performative because you're actually doing the work as opposed to just you know talking the talk I think if you go to a protest and post selfies of yourself in front of a protest crowd I would consider that to be performative but if um you know if you post something about providing resources or something at a protest, I think that's yeah. allyship. Like, it doesn't seem like you're just doing everything with no more dysphoria just to get a pat on the back or be like, if, good job. Right. You know? If someone, <laughs> if somebody said to me I had to pick one or the other, like, be in a band or be in, like, be doing no more dysphoria and I couldn't have both, I would pick no more dysphoria because um, that has a longer, I, the best way I could put it without sounding like an asshole is like, um, a nonprofit ha- has like a longer, like, shelf life if you will um like it will go a longer way than being in a band because like i said i think you eventually quote unquote age out of diy if you don't make it sure. or whatever you and know. a nonprofit has in some ways more of an opportunity to do good over a long period of time mm-hmm. um one thing that i had wanted to ask you as far as no more dysphoria goes is like without speaking strictly in dollar amounts like what's the smallest quote-unquote donation you've made to somebody and what's the largest oh uh the smallest like has been even just like 20 bucks like um some one asked me once for money for an uber just to get to their like hrt clinic you know what i mean like sometimes people will ask for small things like that and obviously give it to them no problem um we have a little bit of a like a binder program. Um, so we buy binders for people a lot and they cost 
you know, somewhere anywhere between thirty three and forty dollars, um, sometimes more depending. But you know, that might be considered a small donation from our end, but a huge donation to the, re- the person receiving it. And then we've donated um, larger amounts, like upwards of a thousand dollars, to go towards someone's um, like gender reassignment surgeries and things like that. Um, it's my dream one day to pay for someone's entire surgery. That would be awesome. Like if we can come up with like 20 grand or like 10 grand for an entire surgery, like, yeah, that would be huge. Um, especially because, uh, I, I don't know the specific details, but I know that not all insurance companies will cover gender reassignment surgery and not everybody who needs that surgery even has insurance. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, luckily nowadays uh, most Medicaid plans will pay for some sort of transgender health, um, but unfortunately you have to prove to your insurance that it's medically necessary. Mm. Um, so I'm in a non-binary top surgery support group on Facebook, and unfortunately a lot of people will talk about wanting like breast reduction and to like appear more like androgynous looking but can't get it approved by insurance because now, because you're only getting a breast reduction, it looks like a cosmetic procedure opposed to, you know, gender affirming. So it's like you only will get insurance to cover a full top surgery because that's like easier to sell as medically necessary. Yeah, it's like all or nothing. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like what does medically necessary even mean? Like I would argue (laughs) that affirming someone's gender is necessary. Well, we know that because we're not assholes. <laughs> Just a little compassion goes a long way. You literally, yeah. I like, um, like you literally have to write in your letter, like, I will kill myself if I don't get this surgery. Like, that's the only way to make it like urgent to the insurance. Like, this is fucking important, you know. And my wonder is, like, if you write that in a letter, does the insurance then have a a way to be like, well, actually, we need to put this person in, like, a 72-hour lockdown because they just admitted to suicidal ideation. Like, I just don't. Dude. It's, it's I a hate, real catch-22. I'm only laughing because something kind of like that happened to me when I was younger. But, like, I get it. Like, it you, it sucks because you do have to, like, pretty much uh, exaggerate it. Not, I don't want to say exaggerate, but you have to, like, make it be like that or, or else the insurance doesn't take it. Yeah, and for some people that is definitely their reality, but you shouldn't have to be at that point of like feeling so dysphoric and stressed to to get the Mm -hmm. surgery that you need. (laughs) On that incredibly (laughs) uplifting note, thank you for taking the time today to um, illuminate us more on what you do in No More Dysphoria and Hit Like a Girl. Hey, no problem. Thanks for giving a shit and asking. Yeah, uh, thanks for doing the work. (laughs) No problem. You guys have um, been in my corner pretty much uh, since the beginning, so I really appreciate that. We're happy (laughs) to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I, like, am kind of loving that the protest started going by your yeah. apartment at yeah. this time. Yeah, I know. Literally, as soon as we I hang up, say, I'm probably going to go jump in. I, I was going to say, oh, I was yeah. like, we should all all hang up our uh, I literally have like our Google Hangout like, and go protest. Yeah, I was going to say, I literally have like my field medic bag like ready from yesterday.
Gee, Rachel, what do you want to do now? The same thing we do at the end of every episode, Lauren. Try to tag ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, right? (laughs) It's so good, yes. You could probably tell that we have already, uh, we've already tagged ourselves in this one. Yeah, today's, um, today's game is Pinky and the Brain, and uh, we thought it would be appropriate to start this game by using the show itself in our respective roles. And so when we were getting ready to record this segment, we had forgotten we were going to do that for a moment, and I remembered at the last second, and Lauren had said... Yeah, we we need to start it that way. <laughs> That's like the only way we could do it. <laughs> which reminded me of a moment in the first episode of Pinky and the Brain, which we both rewatched for this segment. Uh, and that goes a little something like this. So clearly we're tagged there <laughs> pretty immediately. Uh, this is maybe the easiest tag yourself we've done so far. I like vaguely remember the show. I don't have any strong memories of it. I don't think I really watched a ton of it when I was a kid. But I I think everyone kind of has a familiarity with the dynamic and also with the like, you know, what do we do now? Brain, same thing we do every day. Pinky, try to take over the world. It's very... uh iconic, if you will. I think I probably watched a little bit more of Pinky and the Brain than you did, but I uh, recently have started deep diving back into it a little bit, and I've learned a lot. I think there is more to both their individual characters and their relationship than it seems just by listening to the theme song. Um, They both have a lot more depth than they're presented with. Well, that was kind of what struck me just from the beginning, is that in the theme song, they just talk a lot about the characteristics of the two of them and then you you watch the show and it, it doesn't actually really seem that way like at one point they say like pinky is like insane which mm-hmm. i think they did because it rhymes yeah it's with one brain. is a genius the other's insane yeah 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 um but i don't know that i would call the brain a genius or pinky insane exactly i think pinky's just like very good-hearted and a little bit absent-minded and the brain is it seems like he, he cares more about Pinky and actually like asks him for his input and like Yeah, the brain is not as oh, like the brain is a genius, but he also shoots himself in the foot a lot. <laughs> and um I think it's the fourth episode, there is a setup where the brain tries to blame Pinky for all of like Pinky's stupidity for all the failed plans and mm-hmm. he builds a machine to make Pinky smarter. But when he does this, Pinky points out the flaws in all of his plans before they've even started them. And Brain realizes that one of them needs to be smart and one of them needs to be dumb. So then Brain sacrifices his own brain and tries to make himself dumb again because he just wants his friendship with Pinky back to the way it was. There is something in something selfless in that and something um, so indicative of how important Pinky is to Brain. That mm-hmm. uh, that isn't as clear cut as just the intro theme would make it seem. Yeah, um, I would think if if the two of them were too not too intelligent, but like I think the more interesting thing is not Brain's intelligence, but his need to like have the plan and like you know this is my plan and I'm gonna tell Pinky what to do and we're gonna like follow through with this. Um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, 
But I think that's a different kind of thing than just like being smart, you know? Yeah. And I think that is the way that you describe that is the way that a lot of our projects work, where I will say, hey, here's what we're going to do. And you'll be like, cool, let's do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of instances in the show where Pinky will say something or provide some sort of advice and Brain doesn't cast it out all the time right away. He like will, Mm -hmm. he considers and in a a way values Pinky's opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, Pinky has some of the best jokes, um, like some of the greatest one-liner jokes, uh, even in, well, in a later episode where they're trying to go around the world in, a hun- in 79 days, um, they finally land in the United States, and Brian says, finally, civilization, and Pinky goes, I thought this was America. <laughs> Which feels really, that is really pertinent right now. <laughs> yeah, that is some biting commentary. Yeah, but even in the in the first episode, there is a joke that Pinky makes that is very much something that you would make, um, like something that I would never think of, but it would like would certainly come out of your mouth. And yeah, this is that joke. Au revoir, Jacques. We'll see you in Davy Jones' locker. Did he sing lead for the monkeys? What does what does Pinky say? Pinky says something about the monkeys. Didn't he sing lead for the monkeys? <laughs> because Davy Jones is the name of the lead singer for the monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> and like, not only is that a smart joke, but that's a smart <laughs> joke for a kids show. Okay, that is a kind of a reoccurring thing. If you go back and watch these cartoons, is that there are a lot of references that absolutely went over. Mm-hmm. My head, it probably went over a lot of children's heads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, like, if I, at the age that I would have been watching the show, I wouldn't know who Davy Jones is. No, I don't know that I not. would know who the monkeys are. It is very good that, that you can kind of pick out those things when you go back and watch it later, and it still feels entertaining. Um, but you are absolutely right. That is uh, a joke that, I, a, a kind of joke that I would make, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> um, and another, another, this is not really, uh, apropos of anything but i completely wiped from my memory that pinky is like british (laughs) (laughs) like i just don't i like have no recollection of what either of them actually sounded like oh yeah and it wasn't that in my head (laughs) i actually didn't pick up on him being british at all rewatching it well that's like that's like the accent that he's doing kind of a bunch of these episodes start in different time periods and so I think contextually, oh. it also was something that I wasn't really looking for or paying attention to. But again, regardless, case in point, you picking up on something subtle that I just would not see the same way that Pinky would do that um, with the Davy Jones thing. And uh, just like another argument for you being Pinky <laughs> and me being the brain. And perhaps most importantly, at the end of every episode, no matter how or whose fault it is that they fail, they still... End the episode with Brain saying, we have to get, we have to prepare for tomorrow night. And Pinky goes, what are we going to do tomorrow night? And Brain says, same thing we do every night, try to take over the world. So like no matter what the outcome is of Brain's schemes, like the, the resolution is they are still going to work together to try to achieve that goal. I only watched the first episode, but I kind of, I think I might go back and watch other ones. 
I highly recommend it. All right, so we have, as we have previously established, me, Pinky, you, Brain. Me, Brain, you, Pinky. (laughs) Great, we did it. Lauren, are you pondering what I'm pondering? Well, I think so, Rachel, but I don't know that we should go get bagels before properly ending this episode. No. <laughs> yes, we need to finish ending the episode. <laughs> uh, we, As previously discussed, we've ended a new small tiny bit, a baby bit, a micro bit for After Tag Yourself uh, called Rock Ons. So I was pondering what your rock on would be this week my rock on this week um i had another one planned but maybe i would just say bagels i think bagels are a general rock on um but what i what i was going to say is um my rock on this week is a another cartoon television show that i have recently rewatched because it is back on netflix it is called avatar the last airbender hell yeah brother close it is as close to a perfect television show as will ever exist um it is my favorite show of all time it is also a cartoon for children and i'm fine with that um and it's just a great show and if you haven't seen it it's on netflix right now you should watch it it's absolutely worth it yeah i can confirm that lauren actually got me into watching avatar the last airbender a couple of years ago and um it is indeed a perfect show when you see something good you should pass it on to other people, and then those people will pass it on to the other people. So I feel like I've helped. Yeah. Lauren has passed me some reins, and I have tried <laughs> to pass those reins to other people to watch Avatar. As and you should. I also would like to put it out there that if anybody has watched Avatar and wants to submit an Avatar theme to tag yourself to us, we would be very open to that. More talk, less rock at gmail.com. Um, you could submit any kind of tag yourself, but an Avatar one would get our interest immediately. Uh, see, the problem with that is that there are too many good characters, and you'd have to pick, like, within very specific, like, pairings within the show. Like, there are some obvious pairings, but um, there are just too many good ones. Yeah. I don't know, it would be hard. I think we would have to get a specific suggestion. Someone uh, suggests specific characters, and we will do it. Yeah, I think it would be hard for us to to um, fairly pick twosomes. Uh, <laughs> it would just be, like... Too obviously already um, selectable, I guess. Yes. Um, so yes. please, other people, make those decisions for us. <laughs> so we don't have to. <laughs> Rachel, what are you rocking on this week? I would like to rock on puzzles. Um, <laughs> like like puzzle piece puzzles, like putting them together puzzles. Like a jigsaw puzzle? Like Yeah, a jig. that's the word. <laughs> you solve the puzzle. It's a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> Um, I mean, I got I got what you were getting at, you know, you put yeah. the pieces together puzzle. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> I got a couple at um, Goodwill this week, and I have really needed some focus-based distractions mm-hmm. in the past couple of weeks, and I have found that um, just sitting down with a task to solve that has a solution that I can find mm. is that's key has been very helpful to then have more energy later to provide for other things. Um, but I did specifically find 
an American Girl doll puzzle <laughs> that like it's three hundred pieces Wait. and it has six different quadrants. Um, so it's like the six original girls each have their own little like scene. Yeah, and then all of those scenes connect, and it says. Yeah, you know, the American girls on this banner um, in the middle of the puzzle. Um, can we do a quick sidebar? Did you have an American girl doll? I still have Molly. Like, I have her <laughs> in this basement that I'm sitting in, in a box, <laughs> or in the crawl space. Uh, yeah, I... obviously I had Molly. She's the gay one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had Samantha. I think my mother has since given her away. Aww. Um, which is fine. I kind of uh said that it was fine um but i remember getting samantha because i thought she was the one that looked most like me definitely and i don't know if that's actually true or not no it's Hold true on now honestly i think molly probably looks more like me at this point in um, my life i don't i don't think so i i mean in well none of them really had the style that we do but um, <laughs> well molly actually molly in the picture on the puzzle definitely has the style but except that you don't wear <laughs> non-black pants um true but it's true samantha molly's hair is a bit lighter than yours and mm-hmm. samantha's i think is a bit longer and it's yeah. been maybe like seven years since you had bangs it has been quite a long time yeah that's my argument for you being samantha and me being molly great I made the you right get a choice. second tag yourself wow lucky you audience <laughs> Um, but what I really wanted to say is that the incredibly meticulous person who donated this puzzle fucking separated the puzzle pieces into seven little bags, thereby <laughs> getting rid of a lot of the challenge of putting a puzzle together. <laughs> Wait, did they separate them so that like each like image was in its own bag? Yes. Oh. Yes. Well, so I had to you, open all those little bags and put them, them in the box and shake the box up so that I could actually have a challenge to put this puzzle together. <laughs> Puzzles are great, I think, too, because it's a great thing to occupy your brain while not being on your phone oh, God, or on yeah. a computer. Yes. Yeah. So rock on, Puzzles. Rock on, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of More Talk, Less Rock. We do whatever it takes to make the show happen. We record in closets and under sheets and in blanket forts in our parents' basements just so that <laughs> you can have a little bit more joy and talk and rock in your week. All the things. We're doing all the things just for you. Also for us, but also for you. I'm Lauren. I'm Rachel. And And we're we're just just happy to be here. As much as I love talking shit on DIY politics, (laughs) um, we can get into that later in the pod. And so now, since we have to start over... Dude, I keep um, saying, if I ever, like, decide I am too old for DIY and I'm going to quit DIY, it's fucking over for everybody. Because <laughs> I ain't keeping nothing a secret. <laughs> there are no NDAs. You could write your tell-all. Yeah. It's going to be great. Because it won't matter if I spill everyone's fucking secrets because I already quit. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, you can't cancel me. I'm out. Yeah, peace. <laughs> Go out, guns blazing. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay. Please don't cancel me. Hi, uh, Lauren here. Earlier in the episode, Rachel called the new band name Kid Manager. However, they have informed me that they have decided to say, fuck the rules of the bit. There are no rules. We make the rules. So, I guess More Talk Less Rock is now proud to present I'm Just a Kid, parentheses manager. By TMTM, TM, TM, TM. Just to-